It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, except I did not do a show yesterday. Sorry about that. It was MLK Day weekend. Got to Sunday, snow day here in Charlotte. Hope everyone stayed safe. Did not feel like doing a podcast. Also, the Panthers are in off-season mode, and I'm kind of feeling off-season mode right now, too. And didn't really have anything that I needed to get out to you. Nor did I really want to share for you on Monday. So I hope you guys had a great holiday weekend as we're here on a Tuesday morning and I've got you all the things I want to say to you about the Carolina Panthers and what to think about heading into this offseason as we're in week two of it. The first weekend of the NFL playoffs, Super Wild Card weekend is now over and there is a quarterback who played. This weekend, who I think actually might be the most realistic option for the Carolina Panthers. Getting into that in just a moment, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Odyssey. You know where to find me, all those great podcasting locations. And you can follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday, like this Friday, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. So go ahead and get those into me by either adding me or DMing me at Julian Council. Again, first, follow me there at Julian Council. So if you checked out the game on Sunday afternoon, I thought which was going to be the game of the weekend between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, two of the most historic franchises in NFL history, five-time Super Bowl champion on the San Francisco side. And Dallas, I don't know how many they have. They've been irrelevant my entire childhood and quite honestly don't know why they're always on TV. Either way, it turned out to be a pretty good game. Controversy at the end with Dak Prescott not getting down in time, Mike McCarthy, the whole clock issue. You can even throw Kellen Moore, the OC, into the issue there, but not a big deal. The focus that I have coming out of that game, though, is of the performance of one Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, who is beautiful, maybe the most attractive man in the NFL. Uh, I have no problem saying that I'm comfortable who I am. And also, I mean, come on, look at the man. Jimmy G has been a mercurial figure there in the Bay Area over the last couple years in Because of that, his up-and-down nature where he can look fantastic like he did for the majority of that game, but then throw a back-breaking interception late, which led Dallas to come back and have an opportunity late in that game. And throughout the course of his career, where he's not been healthy in San Francisco, even in his short time in New England, think about the four games where Brady was suspended because of the Flategate. He wasn't able to stay healthy then. You had Jacoby Brissett come in. He's never been reliable. But when he's on the field, San Francisco wins. And they've won to the point where they went to a Super Bowl two years ago and where honestly wouldn't be that shocked if the 49ers found their way to L.A. playing at SoFi Stadium in a couple weeks. Now, it's going to be difficult. they got to go to Lambeau Field on Saturday against Aaron Rodgers at night. I don't know what the weather report's going to be. I imagine it's going to be cold. So good luck with that. He's also playing with a torn ligament in his thumb. Down 17 points two weeks ago. 
at LA against the Rams, brings it back to win that game in overtime, then what he did on Sunday. But the guy's got some chutzpah. He's got some grit to him. He might not be someone who's going to lead you over the top, and San Francisco certainly believes that. Kyle Shanahan there and John Lynch, their general manager. That's why they traded three first-round picks to bring in Trey Lance, who, if you watched him so far this season, hasn't really offered that much confidence that he's going to be the guy in the future both Shanahan and that offensive system I think we'll probably get it figured out one day at least we'll have a good opportunity to do that and that opportunity might arise next year which leads me to the Carolina Panthers and Jimmy Garoppolo I saw a tweet out there um, from Benjamin Albright who covers the Denver Broncos talking about how there is going to be a team that was going to convince themselves that Jimmy Garoppolo would be the answer, saying someone's going to convince themselves Jimmy G is all they need to put them over the top, the way people try to do with Kirk Cousins, pay draft picks for him, and be out of a job in three years. And I quote-tweeted and said, the Carolina Panthers, that will be the team. If you look at the situation with the quarterbacks here in Carolina, Cam Newton will not be back next year. P.J. Walker's already been signed to an exclusive free agent rights deal. He'll be back to compete for the backup job, which he's not going to win because Sam Darnold will be the backup because of the $18.9 million cap hit he's going to have next year. That's going to probably make it impossible to trade Sam Darnold. They're going to have to find other options. Do they have the assets to bring in a Russell Wilson, who apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, is going to be exploring his options this offseason there in Seattle? Do they have the... Assets to potentially bring in Aaron Rodgers if he does want to leave Green Bay, if they win a Super Bowl and he decides I'm going to ride out on top and go somewhere else, especially if a Nathaniel Hackett, the OC, gets a job elsewhere, maybe like a Denver, who has plenty of options out there at wide receiver that could make it an easy position to move into. And also, Devontae Adams, back-to-back years as a first-team All-Pro at wide receiver. He's a free agent. Would he maybe want to follow Aaron Rodgers wherever Aaron goes? Those are some of the options that we'll talk about. Deshaun Watson, who still has his legal issues that needs to get cleared up before I really want to have a serious conversation about his potential here in Carolina. They don't seem great when you look at a team that does not have a second-round pick because of the Sam Darnold trade last year. doesn't have a third-round pick because of the trade to send Dan Arnold um, over to Jacksonville to bring in C.J. Henderson, who didn't really do much this year when he came to Carolina. Only one pick. They're at number six overall. Do they have enough capital? If they want to give it the 2023 first-round pick to bring in a quarterback like one of those guys. It's going to take certain assets, and they also only have about $28 million of cap space. Can they afford a major cap hit in terms of a quarterback on top of what they already have with Sam Darnold? Which leads me to Jimmy Garoppolo. In the, in the potential that maybe he could be the best-case scenario for the Carolina Panthers considering their cap situation and what San Francisco might be willing to do. Looking at it, Garoppolo has a $26.9 million cap hit. Carolina Panthers only have about $28 million to work with when it comes to the salary cap. Though, if you look at it for San Francisco, if they're able to trade him, they only have to deal with $1 million cap hit, and they save $25 million. Could it be a potential for Carolina for San Francisco to start Trey Lance next year take on a piece of Sam Darnold's contract and then send Jimmy Garoppolo over and then also maybe the Carolina Panthers send a first-round pick in the future, like 2023. Could that be the best case for the Carolina Panthers? And here's the thing, though. like I don't believe that Jimmy G can get him over the top, but Matt Rule has to save his job. Scott Fitter, he's fine, but Matt Rule needs to nail the quarterback position after what's happened the last two offseasons where they had a plan in place with Teddy Bridgewater to have him be the starter, stabilize that position, as he said on WFNZ last week, and then if a quarterback, like a Mahomes type, came along, like what Kansas City did with Alex Smith, that then they would take that quarterback and then move on. 
could that be Jimmy Garoppolo here in Carolina if they can be creative, like Scott Ferrer has said, and manage to trade for Garoppolo, potentially offload Sam Darnold, and a portion of that deal, that cap hit, take on Jimmy G next year, his final year of his deal, then be in a quarterback hunt in 2023. Because if you do that, it's maybe a Teddy Bridgewater 2.0 situation, but an elevated situation because you have a quarterback who's actually taking the team to a Super Bowl, and I don't really think it was his fault that he lost, just Kansas City made the right plays, and Kyle Shanahan's kind of made a name of him for himself for blowing Super Bowls. Think back to what happened to the Falcons. Never forget, 28-3 blew that lead against New England in that Super Bowl down in Houston that we'll forever laugh at. Jimmy G here in Carolina for a year or two, maybe even three, and then letting a rookie quarterback behind him learn and grow and develop and then handing the keys later could be the best situation for Carolina when you just look at what's actually available for them in free agency with the quarterbacks, but also just trade-wise and who's available coming out of college. Jimmy Garoppolo starting here in 2022 wouldn't be a bad situation, especially if in 2023 you can get a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young and trade up and get those guys. And then hopefully in 2022 you could be a playoff team and then give up assets and hopefully get those guys and also the amount of assets that they lost. But then again, I'm putting my faith in the Scott Fitterer to get this situation figured out more so than I am putting my faith in to Matt Rule, who's already struck out twice so far when it comes to the quarterback position. So just a thought there on what this team potentially could do this offseason at quarterback and how Jimmy G might be the most realistic option for the Carolina Panthers heading into free agency here in about two months in the middle of March. All right, going to get into also Matt Rule. He's coming back. A lot of y'all are upset. You probably need to just relax because you're just not going to get your wish. I'll get into that here in just a moment. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as the NFL playoffs continue next weekend with the divisional round. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action in 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From the NBA to college basketball to the NFL to hockey, boxing UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So my buddy, Kanata Edwards, who used to be the host of the Locked On Hornets podcast before moving on to bigger and better things over with CBSSports.com, producing their college basketball podcast with Gary Parrish and uh, Matt Norlander. Check it out, by the way, if you want to do that. Um, since I don't think we have a college basketball podcast with the Locked On Podcast Network, either way, not a moved on to bigger and greater things. But I remember him tweeting this out a couple weeks ago with about two weeks left in the season with the Carolina Panthers and saying to fans that if you're going to watch today's game and you're not getting paid to do so, it's not your job, then you're a masochist and you're looking for a reason to be upset. And that's kind of how I feel right now when it comes to Matt Rule's status here in Carolina. 
by every single report from any reputable source out there, whether it's been local, like Joe Person, or it's been um, from the Observer, like an Ellis Williams or Jonathan Alexander, or a vast I heard of Carolina Blitz, or it's been national to Ian Rappaport, to Jonathan Jones, who formerly had the, uh, the Charlotte Observer. They've all been telling you for over a month now that Matt Rule will be back here in 2022 as the Carolina Panthers head coach. And I get it. That has pissed y'all off. You don't like Matt Rule. You're over it, but fans are also fickle. I see all the time the Twitter accounts that you got out there. They got someone who's like at Coach Rule. You got the Supreme Ruler, all these people out there who have Matt Rule-themed Twitter accounts. I'm just wondering what happens to your Twitter account when Matt Rule gets fired or things don't work out. Are you just going to become whatever the next head coach is, Carolina Panthers, and be all on him once he uh, becomes the head coach here in Carolina? Because it's weird, the fickle nature of fans, how you love the guy two years ago when they had the pep rally over at the Atrium Health Bubble on Cedar Street in Uptown next to the stadium. And now two years later, you want to get the guy out of town to the point where he can't even go to Hornets games with his kid because he didn't win enough football games. Now look at Zach Taylor as we're going to get into this discussion. Like the Cincinnati Bengals, Mike Brown, really bad owner, cheap. One of the cheapest dudes in professional sports. The Bengals had a period of time there with Marvin Lewis where they won a decent amount of times. Like they went to the playoffs five or six years. Did not win a playoff game, which was the big thing on on Saturday afternoon as they were finally able to win the first playoff game in my lifetime and in 31 years, which is, you know, great for that organization, great for that city, for that to be able to happen. But look at the first two years with Zach Taylor. First two years, he won six games. And he talked about it after the game how had he been anywhere else, he would have been fired. Because that's how the things that's how it works in the NFL. You're not allowed to get an opportunity to grow and develop a team. You get fired after one year, as we saw with David Cully, even though the nuances of that situation down in Houston were probably always set up for him to be fired after a year, as that was not an attractive job, as Deshaun Watson had his issues, and they were getting a new GM and Nick Casario and all that, and then the whole situation that they still have there with the ownership and just not great ownership down there in Houston where that was not an attractive job. And let's, hey, let's get David Kelly for a year and then go find a coach who we really think long-term can help us out, whether you like the optics of it and the situation, all that. I'm not all that concerned about Houston, but what happened to David Kelly is not great, even though he gets $22 million to basically coach one season. But either way, you don't get opportunities in the NFL. You get one year or two years, and if you're lucky, you get three. And I told you, based off of principle, I think that Matt Rule should get a third year and an opportunity to try and fix things. First year, pandemic season, Marty Herney, who y'all think is a moron, was the GM. So maybe, just maybe, let's give him another opportunity with a real big boy GM and Scott Fitter this offseason to get the quarterback situation figured out. They had a plan with Bridgewater, which I did not hate the plan. The only thing I hated about the situation there was how they moved off of Cam Newton. I don't think that Cam Newton, for anybody in the NFL, is going to help them win a Super Bowl. He can certainly be a good backup, maybe in the right situation he could be a starter. I just don't think that he's going to be someone at this stage of his career after all the hits that he's taken to lead a team to the Super Bowl, which here in Carolina, that's what we want to do. And I guess you can think about, well, you just talked about how Jimmy G would be all right the guy. I also told you that Jimmy G should be here until the Carolina Panthers can identify that long-term option. But for the short term, if Matt Rule wants to keep his job past 2022, that would make sense. So, Looking at the whole Matt Rule situation, it's just time to accept it. He's going to be here in Carolina next year, and he's going to have his fingerprints all over free agency and all over the draft. 
I certainly would hope that maybe David Tepper can do some sort of restructuring or reorganizing within the front office of that organization, which I think he's done a great job in building the football side after showing some patience and building the business side first. Now, the, the, quarter, the uh, at least the head coach is a question mark, but I would at least hope that maybe he can find a way to find a better balance to where Matt Rule doesn't have the final say on things. As you look at some of the picks that they've made and some of the decisions, that is all Matt Rule. And there was also a thought, too, last week when he was on the radio on WFNZ with Mac and T-Bone on the Mac talk in the morning, excuse me, that Matt Rule was kind of throwing the scouting department under the bus. And that kind of aligns with a lot of y'all thinking that he throws players under the bus all the time. And he certainly has had those moments, especially like Cam Newton and Teddy Bridgewater. But the guys that he likes, like Sam Darnold, he doesn't really say anything. At least, you know, he's trying to be very, what's the right word? Well, he's just trying to protect their egos, which is amazing that you have to protect the fragile ego of a grown man here in a National Football League, which we talk about as being the ultimate meritocracy and yada, yada, yada. Either way, Matt Rule's going to be back. And Scott Fitter, as I've said, needs to be the one who gets the final say when it comes to this organization and making decisions. Anytime you've ever seen a head coach in the NFL, particularly outside of Bill Belichick, have the decision to bring in players and they have the final say, it hasn't really worked out. Look at what's going on in Seattle right now, where all the reports are that Pete Carroll, or it's a similar situation there as it is here in Carolina, which why it was easy for Scott Fitter to come here. Pete Carroll gets the final say on the roster. While John Snyder, he is obviously important in the scouting department and the roles there and in managing the cap and all that kind of stuff, but he does not get the final say. They're now going to change it to where John Snyder gets the final say and Pete Carroll coaches the players, which is how I think things should go in a National Football League. The GM, typically, when you're looking at a lot of these searches going on right now, like in Minnesota and Chicago, they're trying to find GMs before they find head coaches. Also, they're going to find a GM and head coach at the same time. They want to find two guys who are aligned together. And I talked about alignment before with y'all, and I feel like the alignment is here in Carolina, which is kind of like I wasn't ready to blow things up with Matt Rule, in part because it looks like him and Scott Fitterer have worked well together. And there hasn't been reports of a rift between ownership and the head coach and the general manager. And I, God, I would certainly hope there wouldn't be this early into the Matt Rule regime. So you don't have to like him. You can be upset about them only having won 10 games over the last two years. You can be upset about the way Matt Rule goes about his PR process, and I don't really know why they keep trotting him out here to just get dumped on by the entire fan base. But also the fans are a miserable bunch right now, and they're looking for a reason to be upset. And Matt Rule is giving them plenty of reason to be upset with the Rashawn Slater comments and Brady Christensen comments and why they picked up the fifth-year option on Sam Darnold, which I also said at the time, you're going to – trade those assets for him it makes sense to go ahead and pick up the fifth year option instead of being right there to the point where hey if he plays well well damn you can try and franchise tag him where he's gonna he's i wouldn't see who would leave in free agency but it's gonna cost you a whole lot more money if you if he plays well even though i didn't think he'd play well but either way i understood the logic behind the fifth year option even if it now has put them in a situation where they might not even be able to afford a jimmy garoppolo if he's available via trade because of the cap that he has. So Matt Rule's coming back. Get over it. Accept it. Be mad. Whatever. But it's time to move on. Maybe something crazy happens. We saw a couple years ago, last year really, with Philadelphia and how Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson just weren't on the same page where they had to fire him. I don't think that's really what's happening here. Expect at some point in time, whenever David Tepper or at least whenever Matt Rule, rather, hires an OC, that David Tepper will give the vote of confidence and tell us why he believes in Matt Rule. 
something that I said last week he needed to do now to at least appease the fan base, give them something to understand if they want to understand it all. Because a lot of it, people just don't want to understand. They want to say that Matt Rule's a college coach, will never work out. Even though it's the same people, if things work out next year, who will be like, oh my God, I love Matt Rule. Again, the fickle nature of fans here in a National Football League. It's not just here in Carolina. It's all across the league. But Matt Rule's coming back. Just get over it. At least try to get over it. I love your passion. Love your excitement. Love you listening to the podcast. But come on, I'm sick of hearing it. Okay, let's get into it here real quick. As y'all know, the NFL draft season is my favorite time of the year, as in I hate it. But I do have thoughts early on here on the number six pick and who I think the Carolina Panthers potentially should be targeting there and what position group they should be targeting. Been asked about it on a Friday Weekly Mailbag before. Again, get to me at Julian Council on that. I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and are renting it out, or maybe you're getting paid in crypto and aren't sure how it's taxed. For TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all your tax questions right from your computer or phone. They can even take care of the whole filing process for you. Whether you launch your own startup or are working multiple jobs and juggling multiple incomes, an experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire filing process or do your taxes for you from the start to finish to get your tax deductions you deserve. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so by my count, we are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 weeks away. Oh my goodness. You uh, you got to be kidding me. 14 weeks away from the first round of the NFL draft or I guess the NFL draft as a whole, which I think is taking place in Vegas this year. Is that true? Or is it somewhere else? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Maybe it's in LA. Either way, NFL draft in about 14 weeks. So we have 14 weeks to dissect every single one of these prospects that could potentially be a Carolina Panther and the vast majority that we talk about will not end up being Carolina Panthers, which is why I've always felt like the draft season is such wasted breath. And I also have never liked the fact that we sit here and scrutinize and criticize all these players and try and find out what's wrong about them and why character-wise they're not right for this team and why physically they're not right for this team and all these things. I just It's the most negative time of the year when it comes to professional football. And it also offers a lot of hope for the future and what this – player could potentially do and that they could change your organization especially if it's a quarterback I just it's not for me I'm not a fan of the NFL draft process which I do appreciate for agency I can talk about that the potential linebackers that might be coming here and the potential signings and who they should sign and should not re-sign that's far more interesting to me than whether the middle linebacker at Toledo should be a fifth round pick or not no no thanks go Rockets all that kind of stuff the rubber bowl that's their stadium 
or is that an Akron? Either way, it doesn't matter. Not a huge NFL draft fan. But because the Carolina Panthers have, once again, a top 10 pick, it adds a little bit more intrigue. And last year certainly had the intrigue up until, in my opinion, Sam Darnold, the Carolina Panthers went and acquired him six weeks prior to the draft and basically told everybody who wanted to listen, which the vast majority of Carolina Panthers fans didn't want to listen, that they weren't interested in Justin Fields or Mac Jones or whoever was going to be available there at number eight and that they were going to do the best player available because they went out there and drafted, uh, traded for Sam Darnold to be their starting quarterback in 2021. As we know, that was a terrible decision because Sam Darnold is not good at football, was not good in New York, was not good his, final, his senior his final year, not senior at USC, but he's gotten every single excuse because apparently Sam Darnold, unless he has perfect things around him, we can't evaluate him and, and criticize him at all, according to a lot of the analysts out there looking at you, Mark Sanchez, Tony Romo, Dan Orlovsky, and all those dudes who fell for Sam Darnold actually is going to be good in Carolina, which is ridiculous. Either way, the number six pick is where the Carolina Panthers stand heading into the 2022 NFL draft. Their only pick currently in the top 100 picks of the draft, which is very concerning for all of us who knows that the Carolina Panthers going to the year into the offseason know that the priority for them is to fix the offensive line. After that, they have to address quarterback, even though Scott Federer has said that they're not going to force a quarterback decision, even though they probably need to. Hopefully they don't force one that puts them in a deeper hole than what they're already in, at least with this season with Sam Darnold and that cap hit. And they also want to put a focus on trying to find some player on the defensive line, like a 285-pound defensive end, a linebacker in the middle of the defense, and also a safety to play next to Jeremy Chin. But as we know, the number one priority for this team, quarterback obviously is important, but it does not matter who you put down back there behind quarterback, playing quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, as long as the offensive line is anchored and buoyed by Cam Irving and paddle flying, they're not going to have success. They have to find someone better. Right now when I look at it, tackle is obviously going to be the conversation that we have. I was all on the Panay Sewell train last season. I was saying Panay Sewell or we riot. And had he gotten to number eight overall and said with Detroit drafting at number seven overall and playing at right tackle the entire season, Panay Sewell would have been the Carolina Panther. I feel the same way this season to a certain degree when it comes to Evan Neal, the left tackle at the University of Alabama. If Evan Neal is available at number six overall, the Carolina Panthers have to take him. That potentially is a situation where that guy is going to be a 10-year starter at left tackle. You have him at left tackle for at least the next five years, and then you also have Taylor Moten at right tackle for the next four years under contract as long as he lives up to his deal, which he did so far the first year. Even though he's not been a pro bowler, he's been steady Eddie over there at right tackle for the Carolina Panthers. You have him. You have Brady Christensen, who they can play at either guard spot, maybe left guard, and then Deontay Brown at right guard if that works out, and then you got to get a center, and I think you can probably work a pad offline for at least a season if need be. And with that, you have Dennis Daly as a backup if you need, if he even makes the roster. Once they leave Spartanburg, same thing with Cam Irving as a backup as he's under contract again next year, and they don't really save any money by getting rid of him. If that's the offensive line situation in Carolina next year, I feel a lot better about it than I did with the offensive line last year. We don't know what Deontay Brown's going to look like through the entire course of the season. We don't know if he's going to stay in shape and have the, like, the proper weight that he needs to have in order to be a contributor on this football team. I don't know that. But there's certainly the hope that Deontay Brown can be that, and that's why they drafted him. He was a six-round draft pick. It's not like he was the same kind of situation as a Trey Smith, who a lot of fans like to point out, who the Kansas City Chiefs drafted in the sixth round. Trey Smith, as I think I've mentioned to you before, was a 
five-star recruit coming out of the state of Tennessee, coming out of high school. I think he might have been a number one rated guard or whatever. Got to Tennessee, and he started from day one. He missed the entire season because of blood clot issue. Medically, there was concerns for him and whether he could be a football player long term. That's why he dropped back to the sixth round. He was always a first or second round talent. That's not the case for Deontay Brown, who can be good for the Carolina Panthers moving forward. But when we try to make the comparison of, oh, well, this should have got Trey Smith, not the same. And I can see the medical concerns. It's worked out for Kansas City right now. We'll see how things work out down the road. And hopefully everything works out because he seems like a great guy. Spent some time when I was living in Nashville covering Tennessee football when it was SEC media days and also talking about them a lot, going up to Knoxville a couple times. So any ever interaction I ever had with Trey Smith was positive. So I hope everything works out for him. And I hope everything works out here in Carolina with Deontay Brown. But those five I mentioned there, now Sands, of course, um, Pat Elfline, I could feel good about that. I also look at the situation when it comes to the draft and think that if Evan Neal's gone, I don't really necessarily want Charles Cross. I would be totally fine with a Tyler Lindenbaum. Tyler Lindenbaum, out of Iowa, was the Remington Award winner for the top center in college football. If you remember, Pat Elfline, back when he was at the Ohio State University, also won the award for the top center in college football and probably is more comfortable at center. Either way, he has a flexibility to play both guard and center. Where is he better at? I'm not sure. But if you can get a guy like Tyler Lindenbaum, which is kind of the same conversation that Matt Rule had when evaluating Brady Christensen, saying that if we can get someone who is going to be a 10-year guy at left tackle, then that will be our left tackle. But if we don't, we are comfortable with playing Brady Christensen there. I think it's probably the same thing. If they can find a center like a Tyler Lindenbaum, if they believe that he can be a 10-year guy for them at a position where you already saw the Carolina Panthers have tried in free agency to bring someone in, did not work out with Matt Paradis, same thing with the tackle, did not work out with Matt Khalil, that they feel like if you can get someone like the, a Tyler Lindenbaum who can be a 10-year center, at the, I think one of the most vital position on the offensive line because that's where your communication starts. And the only guy in the field who touches the football every single offensive play, because, you know, you got the wildcat snap sometimes that happen. I think they should make that move. If Neil is gone, I would take Linderbaum. And a part of me honestly feels like they should take Linderbaum over Neil. Now, that's just my thoughts right now. We'll see what happens throughout the course of free agency, which is going to be used to set them up heading into the draft. But right now, I feel like if they get to number six and Tyler and Evan Neal's there, you got to take Evan Neal. But if Evan Neal's not there, give me Linderbaum, who Mel Kuyper Jr. has rated as his top center and his third best offensive lineman behind, I think, Charles Cross, and then, of course, Evan Neal. I would be all over that. If those two guys, one of them becomes Carolina Panther come late April, I'm happy, and I think all of y'all should be happy about that situation. But we have plenty of time over the next three months to – talk about the NFL draft and who probably won't be a Carolina Panther, but who we hope will be a Carolina Panther. That's all I got for you here on this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify and all of the places that you listen to this show and all of your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. So get those into me now by either adding me or DMing me at Julian Council. Until then, take care, be safe, watch out for that black ice. I will talk to you all on Wednesday.
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.